Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. Anna Tashinsky is still off on her hollybobs, and so we have for you a very, very special guest. It is Melanie Bracewell. Now, those of you down under will know who Melanie is. Uh, she is a regular on television in Australia and New Zealand. Um, she's recently been on New Zealand Taskmaster, if anyone outside of New Zealand has naughtily managed to get hold of that on the tubes. Um, and then... <laughs> You'll know her from that, uh, but we've actually known Mel for many, many years. Uh, we first met her when we did our New Zealand tour many years ago. Uh, we've been wanting to get her on the podcast for ages and ages, and finally she is in the UK and she came on the show. And actually, that brings me to the fact that she is touring the UK at the moment. So if you listen to this podcast, you like what you hear, I know you will because she's absolutely brilliant. She's so funny. Then definitely get down to one of her gigs. You'll have to get in there fast because because she is already right in the middle of that tour. But if you listen to this as soon as it comes out, then you just about have enough time to get to her gigs in Stafford, Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, Cambridge, and Birmingham. That's all happening in the next week or so. And of course, if you are in Australia or New Zealand, then she's doing loads of gigs down there. And actually in the UK, she'll be back to do the Edinburgh Festival in the summer. So if you want to know any more about Melanie, go to melaniebracewell.com. And if you want to know where she's playing, then go to melaniebracewell.com forward slash gigs. Really hope you enjoy the show. I'm absolutely certain you will. So let's just say on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Hoburn. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with Andrew Hunter-Murray, James Harkin and Melanie Bracewell. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, that is Mel. Yes, my fact this week is that a study of magpies in Australia has revealed that magpies do not like to be studied. Uh, <laughs> so this was a study that they did at the University of the Sunshine Coast. They were trying to track flight patterns and things of magpies. They developed these very special trackers that were only 1% of a magpie's body weight. They're like, this is perfect. And they put these trackers on the birds and they quickly just started pecking them away. And they went, oh, they're not being very successful. It'll be okay. And then the other magpies came and just helped them pick the trackers off of them. So wow. at first they were sort of, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch mm. yours, and they were picking them off each other. But then they found that other magpies who didn't even have a tracker in the first place were helping the other magpies to get rid of their trackers. So they were showing so behaviours nice. of like, altruism and so they were like actually this is quite a good study oh, so that's how <laughs> they know i was hoping they decoded like some calls of theirs and they translates as piss off mate um probably yeah actually a, you know one percent of your body weight be almost a kilo what are my clothes space. what are my clothes weigh i don't know 
<laughs> let's <laughs> weigh your clothes now. No, let's not take them all off now and weigh them. <laughs> but you do, yeah. you do have a good point because magpies do have a reputation for being dicks. They, um, yep. But falsely. So basically really? only yeah. 8 to 10% of magpies will swoop people. Only the male magpies and only in one month of the year. Hashtag not all magpies. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is a really interesting thing because magpies are over on this side of the planet as well. But Aussie magpies, they're actually a different species to yeah. the, the European magpie. That's mm. just not anything to do with each other. So I remember saying to people, oh, magpies swoop. And that being an alien concept here. But you live in Australia. You know the danger the fear of walking down a street and a, yes. and a magpie swooping on you. And the problem is, is because they're very smart and they recognise faces, if they decide that they don't like you, they will target you. So some people <laughs> will just get swooped every day on their way to work. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why they've earned that reputation. Have you, been, have you been swooped? I have been swooped once in my life, but my boyfriend loves birds a lot and he has decided when we first moved to Australia he was going to become friends <laughs> with all the magpies. <laughs> so that's the other thing, because they can recognise your face, you can actually make a friend for life. Yeah. And they Aww. stay in the same neighbourhood. So if you move into a neighbourhood and there are magpies there, they will be the same magpies Aww. for like 20 years. See, it's, really high, it's really high stakes yeah, when really you move is. in. <laughs> then you've got, you've got a chance to make a good impression. Yeah. And if you blow it, long-term grudges are held. I yeah, know what you like mean, neighbors. but yeah. they only usually live for about five years. Can't yeah. the family, like in the Mafia... Uh, remember and bear a grudge. Didn't we save ages? I mean, that was crows we were talking about ages and ages ago, I think. Crows yeah. bear a grudge. They, yeah. they grudge, do, right. yes. And they, yeah, the yeah. school children are often targeted by magpies because they often wear school uniforms. So if one child has thrown a rock at a magpie, they will then view all children yeah. as threats. Uh, and so they'll just harsh. attack. Same with like if um, they determine if you're wearing like something covering your face or your head, say a bike helmet, mm. they view that as a threat of like, what are you hiding? from <laughs> like, and then they will then swoop you for that yeah. does anyone come across emma glenfield when you're doing this research no so we we're talking about school kids um she was in australia and she'd been watching people be swooped by these magpies and she thought it seems to me like they're going for bold people more the bold teachers they seem to be going for the bold teachers and she asked her mom is this a thing and her mom said well i don't know if it's a thing you know do your homework or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, she decided to do a study. So she went to her school and she watched as these magpies <laughs> swooped people and then did a survey of anyone who'd been swooped saying, you know, how tall are you? What's your hairstyle? Mm -hmm. What sex are you? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> What's your hairstyle? Sorry. None. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then um, she spoke to about 100 people around the school, but then it went online and she got 30,000 people to participate on her survey online. And she found that statistically, magpies are more likely to go for bold people. Hmm. Uh, and according to a magpie expert called Daryl Jones, her study is the first time anyone's ever examined this link. Mm. And so she's doing brand new science nice. and oh. learned this about people. So you know what bold people should do then? Draw a face on the back of their head. What? <laughs> magpies are less likely to go at anything that has eyes. And so if you're if they're sweeping from behind, they're just seeing a bold head altogether. I see. Oh, that could be I yeah. see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there are a few things that people think they've worked out that magpies won't sweep at. One is if you have eyes at the back of your head. So mm. people often cyclists might often wear glasses, sunglasses oh, on nice. the back of their head, facing That's that clever. way to give the impression there are eyes there. A bit like in is it in Africa, we might have said before, where they 
draw eyes on the bums of cows yes, yes. to exactly. stop them being attacked by lions. Yeah, because yeah. like you can't be sneaked up on. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. They're a protected national species. So if a magpie attacks you, you can't attack it back. You kind of just have to let it happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's and, funny. And so what they do then is if they've identified an aggressive magpie, they have to ship him out of there. But there's a minimum distance, which is like 25 kilometers or so, because they'll just fly back. They don't respect the restraining order. <laughs> Exactly. Have you heard of the Windsor Road Monster? No. no. It's an Australian magpie <laughs> oh. specific one, which was especially aggressive and had to be put down in the end. Oh. But it took a very long time. They were, I have to say, he, the Windsor Road Monster was given multiple chances to learn and change. Oh. And it, it attacked, well, there were more than 40 complaints. One person had a heart attack shortly after being swooped which is not the fact you know there could be other things happening in that person's life that makes them more susceptible to a heart attack it's not necessarily the that's true that's true but it did uh, no you're right but it was going for people's faces it was going under cyclists helmets to get them (laughs) it was was even for an australian magpie it was being especially uh aggressive you're bold under there mate what's going on (laughs) where you hiding they're just trying to protect their their ground they they spend most of their life just protecting their area so they they choose their radius and it's quite small and they will just spend the whole time just standing like as bouncers on the edge <laughs> of their patch being like don't come in here all the time there was one cyclist who i read about called dr richard osborne who came up with this new cycle helmet <laughs> i think i've does seen it, this does it, have a, does it have a face on it no, it doesn't have a face. Oh, Can you guess what it is? Is he uses a thing I have around my house to to scare them away? So I know this, so I won't guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I could have seemed really oh, smart. Stop using James's personality to work out. <laughs> well, it's a, golf, a golf club. Yeah. It's, what do you know yeah. about things that happened in my life in the last two weeks? In the last two in the weeks. Last yeah, yeah. Weeks. Um. All my family members. Um, your kid has had a. Birthday, yeah. Your daughter is two years old. Yeah. So you see, you put the hours in with people. What a a way to find out that's your daughter's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, Uncle Dan hasn't forgotten about you. No, no, he's been very busy. I've shot the gifts on its way. Oh my god. She built a helmet to ward Dan away. Yeah. And does the bike have have a a model baby pinioned on top of it, (laughs) or a doll? It has. um, You know these party blowers where you blow them and they go, and yeah, they kind yes. of stick out. He has those attached to his helmet, and there's a tube attached to them, so that whenever <laughs> a magpie comes near, he blows into the tube, and they all go, is this what you were thinking about? No! <laughs> I had to see the guy who had tied a lot of cable ties to his head. Oh, that's <laughs> very funny. And does he, is he, has it sort of caught on? More yeah, than... well, no, it's not caught on, because he looks like an idiot, but yeah. um, he said that's it seemed cool, a bit though. safer than carrying a stick and waving it around, which was his other option. Yeah. Or having oh. spikes, which a lot of people do. They're not sharp spikes, but they are sticky out. Is that right? Yeah, like, yeah, just as a deterrent. The best thing to do is to just be nice to them yeah. because they will remember you being nice. So what happens is people run away and they go, oh, you are guilty. Why are you running? Mm. Therefore, it just fills <laughs> like, this prophecy in their head. But to be nice, to, if you're in their area, so how, you can, just, how can you be nice? You just feed them. You just oh, leave oh, them out them. like little peanuts and things. That's what my boyfriend has been trying to do, like wow. leaving peanuts out yeah. outside our yard oh, yeah. and getting them to come. And yes, and then they, when they like you, they'll bring their kids along to be like, Here, here's my kids. Um, you missed oh. their birthday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but one nice thing that you can do for them is actually something that will get you in trouble with them, which is if you see one of their babies struggling and you go to help it, they will view that as you hurting their babies because oh, sure. they haven't yeah. introduced you to it. So be careful how nice you are. And that's why you didn't give a gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they viewed as a threat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in playgrounds, playgrounds are like that, you know. Are they? Well, if you see a child that's struggling and you go over to help it, their parents might think, who's this guy who's approaching my child? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's left the fence. I can't remember not to wear my costume when I'm doing that. It's so, you know, um, I'm weighing my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have lots of superstitions about them, Mel, in Australia? I have heard of these superstitions, but I don't think I follow them in my day-to-day life. Because okay. <laughs> that's pretty much what they're well-known for here, right? Yeah, I follow quite a few. Oh, so wow. do you, when you see you one, do you say, like, hello, Mr. Magpie, where's your wife or something? It's Good morning, my lord, and how's your wife and children? Yes. Right. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, do you do that? I do. Yeah. A lot of, if you see one on its own, seeing two is fine, three is fine, whatever. Any, but one on its own, bad luck, so you just quickly... Because you know, in Australia, that's a lot to get out while it's coming for your eyes. <laughs> yeah, <isn't> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Australia, ah! That's it, yeah, yeah, that's what they're saying, yeah. But no, there are all these things, like um, the magpie landed on the cross when Christ was being crucified. Or the tongue of a magpie contains a drop of blood from the devil himself. I think Um, if they open their mouth, there is a little bit of red in there, isn't there? I think that's why they associated with Jesus. Yeah, and that's why if you scratch its tongue with the edge of a silver sixpence and put a drop of blood into the wound, it will gain the power of speech. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird, yeah. We've we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much slander about them from back in the day, particularly yeah, religious. Yeah. So the one about the the crucifix, apparently yep. it was the only bird not to cry when Jesus was crucified. Wow. And that was that was big news. Yeah. And then in the 19th century, there was a vicar who said it was the only bird that refused to go on Noah's Ark. Rather, it just wanted, <laughs> it, it hung outside swearing instead. In yeah. France, the, the idea is that a magpie is a reincarnated evil nun. Um, but, I can see it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, British magpies eat a lot of dog poo. Well, oh, that's oh, good. Wow. Yeah. Uh, even if there's other food around, they'll eat the dog no. poo. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to such the extent that people in parks have noticed that they'll, because they're quite smart, obviously, magpies, they'll go to the dog poo bins, pull out a bag oh. of dog poo, rip open the bag of dog poo, <gasps> wow. and then have a little snack. Oh, oh my God. Have some self-respect. What? That's awful. <laughs> That's nutritious. <laughs> Might taste nature. great. I've never tried it. I don't know if it's good or not. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, say, we don't know. You said might taste great. Yeah. And I heard you saying mine tastes great. And I just thought, <laughs> actually, I'm just going to gloss on and move past it because, you know, we've got a guest. You guys at a park, is that you're trying to go through the dog poo, you're naked at a playground. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole image. James has got party blues coming out his head. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. They do have them in New Zealand. They do, Magpies, yes. don't they? But mm-hmm. they've come over from Australia. Mm. Apparently, no one's trying to get rid of them in New Zealand. You know, like in New Zealand, there's quite a lot of invasive species and they're yeah. trying to get rid of them. Well, they're not doing it with magpies because it's too hard, basically. Yeah. You get rid of two magpies from an area and then the next two will move in. Uh, but apparently... What I read is they've got a bad reputation in New Zealand, Hmm. these magpies, uh, because they're big, showy, noisy, and according to the article, it must be said, Australian. (laughs) Yes. That really does rub us the wrong way. (laughs) I can understand that. Did did you hear of these acclimatisation societies? Because that was... They're Australian magpies, but they were introduced to New Zealand by societies saying... 
I'm not sure what the rationale was, actually, because it was not as though they were going to be hunted. Or... Well, they thought that there wasn't enough nice animals in New Zealand. Yeah. And in fact, I've, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, famously. <laughs> yeah. It's not... Well, they're like, you know, there's not... There's, there's no um, endemic uh, mammals to New Zealand apart from a bat. So, yeah. like, any but mammals weren't like, really there. Yeah, they got there and they're like, where's the rabbits? Yeah. Mm. You know, where's the tweeting birds? We don't know where they are. And But I feel like it's such a bird-heavy place, or certainly would have been in the yes. 19th century. Where, mm. As in, why would you introduce more birds? I guess you so. Know? Yeah, they're but, like, yeah. maybe some that can fly would be useful. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the Kankapo, that's a New Zealand Yeah, but one, a lot it? of them yeah. kind of hide in the they're middle of the night. In, in yeah. 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 Even there's, like, the kiwi bird, I don't think I've ever seen one. Hmm. Oh, really? You go to the zoo and they say they're in there, but <laughs> I don't reckon they are. <laughs> I think it's just they put a red light in a like cave-looking area, and they go, "There's kiwi in there." Tasmanian devils. Yeah. I, I've gone every year to see a Tasmanian devil at Taronga Zoo in Sydney, and you never see one. You never see them spinning uh, around like a tornado. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you do hear in the background, but yeah. Stop the podcast. Detener el podcast. <laughs> what was that? That was very bad Spanish, Dan. And you know what? I would really like to be much better at Spanish. Can you think of any way that that might possibly happen? Unbelievably, by insane coincidence, the advert we're about to record is exactly the thing to help you because we are sponsored this week by Babbel. Is Babbel the amazing language learning company which lets you work online or on apps? It has everyday conversations. It has advanced speech recognition. It has lessons complemented by cultural insights. No, it's actually courses in how to talk for way too long. I see you've been taking some classes. <laughs> now, of course, that's exactly what it is. Babbel has over 200 language experts experts that have come together to curate the best learning tools for you to be able to become fluent in one of 14 different languages. If you're going overseas, this is the essential app to take with you or to open up on your computer while you're there. Absolutely. And right now, Babbel is offering our listeners six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with a promo code no such thing. That's all one word. That's right. So head to Babbel, that's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash play use the promo code no such thing all as one word and you will get six months free with the purchase of a six month subscription Babbel is your guaranteed path towards speaking a new language you don't have to go on all the time like i do just talking and talking and talking and okay yes thank you on with the show adelante con el podcast Ole. Okay, it is time for fact number two. That is James. Okay, my fact this week is that the sport of netball was invented because its creator thought basketball made women grow bitter and lose control. Wow. As a player of both sports, I will say this is true. Uh, okay. <laughs> I play social netball, you know, and it's it's always very wholesome. The slogan of netball is just, you know, here if you need. It's so beautiful. Really? Um, this is what you say a lot, you know, when you've passed the ball, you go, here if you need. Like, you never, like, pass the ball to me. You say, here if you need. Like, I'm over here. It's very wholesome. But then I play basketball and I become a feral beast. Wow. <laughs> hey, it's so interesting. <laughs> so what's the key difference that causes that? No I don't contact. know. This is, is it, well, is basketball is technically no contact. But you're trying to take the ball off someone and you can run beside mm. them. So yeah. basics in netball is once you catch the ball, you can't move. 
Right. If you're taking a shot, no one can defend you. So you kind they of can. Control. They well, can. From three feet away. From three feet away, which mm-hmm. is, I would argue, too many feet. Uh, <laughs> and you can't dribble along the you court. You can't no, dribble. No. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. okay, okay. So anyway, this all comes from a woman called Clara Bear. Uh, who was working at Newcomb College in New Orleans, and she'd been asked to come up with a new sport for women to play because this was an all-women's school. And she decided, she came up with a few ideas, but her main one was to adapt sports that being played by men. So basketball had just become really popular, been invented by James Naismith a few years earlier, and so she wrote to him and asked for the rules. She got the rules and said, right, we're going to play basketball. But Anyone who was there said it was a mad game in which the women grew bitter and lost control. Even she herself said it was not entirely satisfactory. And so she thought, well, I'm going to have to invent a new game which doesn't have all this stuff because this is just not appropriate to women. And so she came up with netball. Interesting. You say that netball is a non-contact sport, but I don't think it actually is Mm. because non-contact would be something like tennis where you genuinely don't touch anyone else. But netball, there are certain rules. So if I was to run into the space to get the ball and someone else is running in and I shoulder barge them on the way that is completely yep. within the rules of the game okay. like there is yeah. the, the art of learning to play netball is to learn how to be very aggressive uh, within the confines <laughs> oh, of the rules yes. really. yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah we used to play it at school um and i went netball. to a yeah, yeah. yeah i went to a steiner school so i think that was more it feels like a made-up steiner sport really oh. steiner's a very hippie non-competitive kind of thing and it right. feels like instead of basketball let's do netball instead so can i check a few more rules yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so mel do they still no shouting or talking during the game. So that's still observed. Interesting. <laughs> this, what, where is that from? Is that, that from no, the most an, recent that's rule book? That's from Clara Bear's yeah, yeah, yeah. founding rules right. of the game. You can't talk back to the umpire, so you couldn't say, oh, oh okay. what was that? Well, in the first rules, trouble. for sure, if okay. you spoke, if you said anything in the game, it was a foul. Oh, right, wow. even here if you need. Yeah, you won't right. say that. Um, I read no falling over was also a rule, which I can't. <laughs> I'm struggling to compute. That seems a bit harsh, doesn't yeah, it? it does. But... It's a weird rule. That there's sort of a hangover there. If you catch the ball and you fall over, you're not allowed to move with the ball. But if you are on the ground, you can't throw the ball from the ground. What? So you have to make your way back up to standing before oh. you can throw the ball. But you have to keep your feet planted. So where your feet landed when you fell over, you have to just weirdly stand Do up. you look like one of those um, inflatable <laughs> car-selling balloon <laughs> yeah, exactly. guys? You the... just have to rise <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. brilliant. That's a good rule. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She also said no needlessly rough play was in okay. her rules. Yeah. And all shots had to be taken with one hand ah. um, because... There was a thought that by throwing it with two hands, it was unladylike and might somehow make women less feminine, was the idea. I read there would be inclination of the shoulders forward with consequent flattening of the chest. Oh, precisely. And and that would not be a graceful position for girls. That's what they said. But it's interesting because the one-handed throw was in netball from the very start. They had one-handed throw. But in basketball, there was none of it until about the 1930s. It was all two-handed throwing into the baskets. As a rule, Mm. was it? No, it's just... Or just that was the way. That was the way they did it, yeah. Yeah. I love as well that she basically... she, She originally was starting basketball as a female version of it. And um, she called it basquetball. Um, she, <laughs> she just changed it to Q-U-E. Well, I think what happened there is she wrote to Naismith, who came up with the original thing, and she said, here's my new sport. What do you think? It's women's basketball. And he wrote back saying, well, it's not really the same as basketball, so you should change the name a little bit. Yeah. And she said, OK, I'll change it to basketball. And then part of the rules were developed because she just misunderstood what he'd sent back. There, there were dots all over it, and she took that to mean seven different 
different zones. So you would be stuck in your zone. And mm. that, yeah, that got applied to the initial rules. Which are not still changed. today. Yeah, no. yeah. Still, a goalkeeper oh, still. is still okay. in one third of the court. A centre can go in most okay. of the court, but not the two. It's very complicated. It's yeah. not very it's sociable, is it? Like if uh, yeah. yeah, there's some people who never really see exactly. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I will chat to a goal shooter as a goalkeeper a lot, but I will never see the, exactly. my team's goal shooter. Oh. I just go, oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's safe, and the women look very womanly as a result. So <laughs> what a relief! The vision has remained from Clara Bear. Um, do you play volleyball as well, Mel? I don't. I just play netball and okay. basketball. Yeah. Um, because apparently volleyball may have been. Nicked basically a month after the first game of Newcomb Ball, which was another thing. Clara Bear invented Newcomb Ball, where you throw the ball into the other team's area so it hits the floor. Yes. Without them being able to catch it. One month after that first game was written up, William Morgan, the YMCA director in the USA, he invented volleyball. And it was basically apparently for older businessmen on their lunch hour was how it was described, <laughs> which I think it has not stayed true to over the years. Right. <laughs> volleyball. You know beach volleyball. There's an official rule that you're only allowed to wear one watch. Stop oh, really? It's in the actual rules. It says what, only what one watch. What possible allowed. advantage do you gain from two watches? <laughs> what do you think? Oh, interesting. Um, you would know what time it is in another part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you know? Do you know the answer? I think I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. what? What advantage would you have? I mean, you're never going to. I have a punt. Go on. Is it that people were doing sponsorship deals with multiple watch companies? I oh, can't believe that's amazing! Yay! Wow! Because yeah. there's actually some rules about how many tattoo, like temporary tattoos, you're allowed because people use those for advertising. No. As well. You've so got obviously s- don't have small real estate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. So funny, isn't it? Because yeah. netball is so big in New Zealand and Australia. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure how much you guys knew about the sport I know you play it in England you've got a very popular team um, but I was like oh, I wonder what some unknown facts about netball so oh, nice. of course I, I looked it up mm. and I found an article titled fascinating facts about netball that you never knew right. okay number right. one was how long is a netball game oh. <laughs> okay well let's try does anyone here know how long Actually, it is? I do not know I will guess yes. it's 80 minutes oh i think it's less i've watched games mm. but i can't remember how long they were i reckon maybe 60 minutes in quarters yeah, that's yeah. what i'm thinking I'm, tr- I'm trying to work out is it quarters as well and so i'm going to say 60 because i heard you just say yes <laughs> Sorry, <I'm... laughs> yes i acknowledge your answer and it's incorrect no um, no it is actually it's for 15 minute quarters wow. yeah, um, fascinating fact yes fascinating yeah. fact number two what is netball entry level article that i <laughs> come across. I love the way that the first thing you need to learn is how long it is, and then the second one is what it is. <laughs> it's like, do you want to play netball? Well, how long will it be? <laughs> 60 oh, minutes. It's got two watches on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you're right. So I I grew up in Oz for my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Netball was massive there, and I assumed it was globally massive. Mm-hmm. It's an American invention, but in America, it's not really played. It is. It's getting back now, and and particularly Aussies and New Zealanders keep going over to schools to try and reintegrate it. So Ross Day uh, is someone who went over to try and get it done. And she said, one of the biggest challenges, I can't believe this is true, it must be tongue in cheek. She says, one of the biggest challenges is that when we're pitching netball, is that because of our accents, being yes. Aussie in New Zealand, everyone thinks we're saying nipple. Yes, I get this a lot. <laughs> I will say something about netball on TV. I'll be like, oh, that was a great netball play. And it has a whole different meaning. Uh, and the comments people are like, what are you talking about? Wow, so <laughs> Someone will come up to you and say, do you want a bit of netball play? And go, How long will it be? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Wait, yeah. quick double check. It is what you think it is. What is nipple? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I like um, the early um, forms of basketball were interesting as well. I like how they first started with like a peach basket, but mm. they didn't mm. think to put a hole in the bottom. So mm. like in the early games, they would have to <laughs> stop the game to go retrieve the ball from yeah. the basket yeah. and like climb up a ladder. Like... I suppose in a way, if you have a hole, it's not always certain if the ball's gone in. Is yeah, that, that I mean, is true. Is that that presumably Sometimes if I shoot in it, like, because you go for the swish sound, but mm. sometimes you could just shoot so far that it just hits the net and makes that sound anyway, and you go, oh, I'll count it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, um, in football, there's been, in, um, in soccer, there's been this thing where you have, like, a board next to the goal. This, I think it was in Queen's Park Rangers and they scored a goal and it hit the board and then bounced straight back out again and the goal didn't get given because... What? Yeah. I don't understand how so that... So it hit the board gone, next to the... So it's gone into the net. Yeah, sorry, I didn't explain that very well. So you've got the goal, the goal post, yes, and you've got the net, yeah. but then you've got an advertising board right behind the goal. Mm, and yeah. so the ball goes in, hits the advertising board, yeah. bounces straight back out again, and the referee goes, well, I didn't see it go in. Oh! So, oh. And it happened happened quite recently where there was a hole in the net, as in one that wasn't supposed to be there, a bigger than the normal hole. (laughs) And the ball went in and it went through the hole and no one could tell whether it had gone in or not. That's good. That's a good thing for a goalie to do when the action's happening up the other end. <laughs> selectively <laughs> saw through the net and then you'll be, be fine. Saw. <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> did you, when you were sort of part of the New Zealand netball scene, mm-hmm. um, did you, do you know anyone who played for the Masturbators? <laughs> uh, do you remember this? No. Oh, okay. I mean... It was just a cheeky little fun New Zealand thing, but there was a Sydney <laughs> Sydney World Masters Games where all netball teams were coming and there was a lot of New Zealand teams that were coming over and they named themselves the Masturbators. And, um, Why? Why? Well, th- it was a Masters and yeah, they are yeah. baiting. Um, so with the Masturbators. Yeah, the Wait, second the baiting? Part is the yeah, baiting. Yeah, what, are, what are they baiting? Well, baiting the other teams. You know. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how the sport of netball's evolved quite a lot. Um, there's different versions of these fast five, which has basically the, made it more like basketball. Okay. There's five people on, on the court and there's you can shoot three-pointers or two-pointers and things. Um, the Northern Mystics used a new move called the Harrison Hoist um, because oh, you have to, ha- you have to be three feet away. Yeah. And so um, they have been practising like a cheerleader lift. <gasps> no. And so she lifted wow. her up and she was able to bat the ball yeah, yeah. out of the air as it was going into the hoop. Is that allowed? Um, and yeah, it's allowed. It was in the, <laughs> was in the, the game and they were going to go, oh, we'll save this for the finals. But then they were like, okay, we might not get to finals. So they had to do it in like a qualifying. Flying match. Wow. It's one of those things that they don't do all the time now because in theory, if you knew it was coming, you could kind of counter it because yeah. you can only have two defenders in the circle. Uh, so they, they oh. had to use all of their resources. But if you didn't see it coming, you were like, oh, just a shot. That's and, you amazing. know, and then suddenly she's in the sky. So it's like a rugby right. throw in, basically. Yeah, like a the way that they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. lifted into the air. You're not yeah. allowed to do that in football, by the way. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, what, it's in the rules, up? officially in the rules. Isn't it? As in, yeah. uh, not piggybacks. If yeah. you spoken like a true athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in the air and you want to head the ball in and yeah. you think, well, I'm going to give my mate a piggyback. Uh, it's oh. not allowed. It's um, ungentlemanly conduct, it's called. It's an indirect free kick to the other team and both players should be cautioned. 
Get out. Yeah. Wow. That's unfair. Wow. I think if I you've got that. the Webble to put together a piggyback in that time, <laughs> you should be allowed well, to do it. That was in my... Because I trained as a football referee, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that was one of the questions that came up. It's like, what do you do in this situation? Wow. You, you give wow. him a stern finger wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to watch Andy's version of football, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a corner kick. He's gone for the piggyback. It's gone in. Oh, no. Someone soared through the back of the net, and it has gone right through. No points. Okay, it is time for fact number three, and that is Andy. My fact is that when the asteroid which wiped out the dinosaurs hit, there was a brief burst of radiation so strong it would have immediately cooked some dinosaurs through. Whoa, like wow. a like an air fryer. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like an air fryer. This is uh it's much less fun than I've made it sound for the dinosaurs, but what a, you know, for a fun brief... for like the mammals survived, did they? So could they have come out and eaten some dinosaur cooked? Yes, yes, they probably could. Yeah. But so... you say for a brief moment, so it was perfectly cooked and then they were charred beyond yeah. uh, oblivion? <laughs> is that it? Because like, were... you could say, oh, here is my roast for a brief moment. It was amazing, but <laughs> it is a pile of ash now. <laughs> yeah, that moment. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the weren't precise settings on. This is from a fantastic book I've just read. Uh, it's called Not the End of the World by Hannah Ritchie. And uh, it's, a, it's about completely different stuff, actually. It's about sustainability and, and the sort of big planetary challenges. But it, it, she's writing in this bit about, you know, extinction events and how fascinating some of those have been over the past. And this is about the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. 66? 66. A while ago. Yeah. And um, the asteroid hits. <laughs> it was an old book that you read. It was an yeah. old book. <laughs> 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 um, thing hits. Yeah, there's a shockwave that moves at 17,000 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's quite hard to get your head around some of this stuff. And then this huge amount, like cubic miles of rock get lifted up by the impact. They then, so they've been liquidized into these little glass balls, which are, go all the way around the planet immediately. And then that falls. It literally, right. the kind of sky falls down, you know. This, yeah, it rains glass. Yeah, li liquid rock, basically. And lots of it gets blasted by friction in the atmosphere because it's, it's coming back into the atmosphere, if you see. Right. So then the energy is released as infrared radiation, which turns into this massive blast of heat. Crikey. And if you're a dinosaur out in the open, it's bad news. And it's, it's really interesting because why didn't everything burn immediately at that point? And basically... There was a study in 2016 by a scientist called Sean Gulick who found out that either it was like being in a toaster for a few hours or a pizza oven for a few minutes. It's bad, bad news if you were out in the open. Okay. Wow. So would yeah. there be some dinosaurs who were the furthest away that would be nicely cooked? <laughs> I think yeah. Yeah. medium rare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they get cooked yeah. by the radiation. Their yeah. innards are just completely just they're cooked. But yeah. so they die immediately, or is it kind of like radiation where if you, if you were out in the open, there's a very good chance you would have died at that point because it's okay. such a blast of searing heat for such a for a relatively long time, longer yeah. than you'd be comfortable with. It's not just like a sauna. No. It's yeah. <laughs> for a brief moment in time, their muscles were very relaxed. And... <laughs> it is nuts reading about it. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it was pretty striking. It was a big old rock, wasn't it? Was a big it? old rock. Um, I found one weird thing. This is Sorry. good. Mm -hmm. Right, so we, I think we've said before it was the size of Mount Everest, the rock thing. Yeah. And it was travelling 20 times the speed of a bullet. Mm -hmm. It was really... Really huge. Big and fast. Big and fast. And it was so big and fast that 
when it arrived, it was pushing the atmosphere in front of it so rapidly that the crater from the impact started to form before it hit. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. It just pushed the surface of the Earth down. Oh, my God. It's amazing, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's insane. I became friends uh, recently with the dinosaur hunter who, or she's a paleontologist, who's the person who has verified that the the asteroid landed in spring. I think you guys met yeah, her very yeah, briefly yeah. in oh, Belgium wow. when we were at Nerdland at yeah. uh, the festival. Um, it was all to do with a specific fish that, as it was being carried in this tsunami, which was not just water, it was also earth, like an, an earth yeah. tsunami, the... Um, the glass that had come down went into through the filters of the fish, like went through the mouth and were inside. So when they found the fossilized versions of these fish, they found the glass. And these specific fish are the type of fish that have growths in their body that change per season. Oh, so during, that's so handy. During spring, <laughs> yeah. So during spring, they grow these extra little things. So they spotted that and they went, well, that could only happen in spring. Therefore, in spring wow. on the side of the planet that it's on, that's where that happened. That is amazing. Oh Pretty nuts. Detective that is work. nuts. That's like yeah. You know, you get to deal with an asteroid and hay fever at the same time. <laughs> um, I was looking at um, extinct meat because a cultivated meat company in Australia uh, made a mammoth meatball last oh, year. Yes, uh, nice. yes. Heard about this, yeah. Using um, a DNA sequence from the mammoth myoglobin, which is the protein that gives the meat its flavour, and filled in a few gaps using elephant DNA, and then they made this meatball. They did not eat the meatball, no, <laughs> but no. they just put it on display to be like, Why this not? is a mammoth meatball. I don't Ooh, know. I think they were just, they were like, we haven't really tested this, whether this is That's safe true. for human consumption. So oh, really? we just make the meatball, I guess, probably to get a bit of press. And was it the size display? of a normal meatball? Because you think if it was a mammoth meatball, true. you would deliberately make it much bigger, wouldn't yeah, it's exactly. True. I didn't get, it wasn't next to like a can of Coke, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it looked regular meatball size. Right. Maybe yeah. you wouldn't because then it would just confuse the purchaser or the person looking at it go, oh, I get it, it's mammoth, it's big. It's like, yeah. just not even considering the extraordinary <laughs> science that has gone into this. Yeah. God, I would have eaten that. You would have. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Without knowing the health implications. Yes. It's interesting. How interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it's, I feel like they've they've grown it. No animals have been harmed. Yeah. So I'm a veggie, but I would love to. Yes, you know, I I think go. the same thing because my my boyfriend's vegetarian and he says that if they we reach the point where we could just have cultivated meat mm. made from the actual cells, then he'd be oh it's fine I'll eat that. And mm. I think it's they they it's come a long way in the last mm. few years. I think the first patty they made, like a mince patty, it started just with mince patties, was I think $300,000, so quite an expensive burger. Um, but it's come down now where they think that they could, you know, release... To like 200000 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Release them into supermarkets. So it's, cool. it's rapidly... Yeah. Um, I experiment quite a lot with those. I tried some salmon the other day, which I have to say was not there. No, oh, yeah, it's like the, the fake salmon. Oh, not not the, do, like, the, made from actual... Oh, do they have, sorry, yeah, yeah. They, I think they just keep adding salt until it has <laughs> yeah. some kind of flavour, and then it's fine. I had a vegan Domino's pepperoni pizza a couple of nights ago. That's Did not an you? ad. Um, <laughs> and I, I could not taste the difference. Really? Genuinely, genuinely uh, could not taste the difference. I will just say for the listeners at home, he does have a Domino's tattoo. <laughs> he's trying to show just, off. And he's yeah. wearing two watches, yeah. one of which seems to be a Domino's pizza. Yeah. What's that? Oh, pizza time. <laughs> um, can I ask, did it have cheese on it? It did. Well, no, but it had vegan it cheese. It has vegan cheese yeah. on it. 
Yeah, it's a vegan pizza. Yeah, mm. I went. They used to have a vegan pizza express. Seeing as we're talking about pizzas, yeah. they used to have a vegan pizza express down the road from here, which only sold vegan oh, pizzas, yeah. and it was the most disgusting thing. Though, <laughs> the cheese, like they just couldn't do good vegan cheese. Maybe they can now. It's all about the um, the mouth feel. That's the sure. uh, and the stretch. That's your Tinder bio. <laughs> <laughs> the mouth feel and the stretch. <laughs> I found an essay in a scientific journal called Evolution, Education and Outreach, and it asked which items a Jewish time traveller would be able to eat because oh. they were kosher or not. Yeah. Okay. Can you guess the headline of this article? 50 points to anyone who does. Oh. is gettable. Oh, oh um, is it a pun? Back to the juicha. That's oh, not that. Oh, nice. So it's about uh, the food. It's about the food that you're, you know, you might be eating. Yeah. Um, is, the, it, is it to do with time travel? It's to do with a very famous... Dinosaur based franchise. Oh, <laughs> I don't oh, think Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Oh, oh, beautiful. Jurassic Park. Beautiful. And it was. That's a good headline. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. And it was about what what basically a Jewish time traveller who wanted to eat contemporaneous food would be allowed to eat. And basically very few dinosaurs are kosher, it turns out. Really? Some of them are birds, mm -hmm. but even the bird ones lack the sort of toe that you have to. If you're allowed to eat particular meats that are kosher, it's because they're like chicken. They've got a particular opposable toe, I think. Right. Um, mice are not allowed. That's probably not relevant now. So, sorry, Jurassic pork. They actually just went with Jurassic. They just went with Jurassic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I what, think... Jurassic pork? I think they were correct in that. I think Jurassic pork is... It's sitting there. I Yeah, I guess I'm going to write so. a complaint letter. <laughs> We said earlier 65, 66 million years ago yeah. with the extinction of the dinosaurs. Sure. Um, but do you know how long ago that is in a galactic year? Ooh. I'd never heard of a galactic year before. That must be something to do with the uh, travelling through the galaxy. Yeah, so not... take, how long it takes the galaxy to go around once? Exactly. I think yeah. it's three years ago in galaxy years. Galactic year is 225 million years, uh -oh. roughly. Sure of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. Really? So the dinosaurs were here 3.5 months ago Oh wow. in a galactic oh, year. So the dinosaurs were on Earth... But if you had a time machine, like, uh, you know, what does Doctor Who have? It's like a TARDIS. TARDIS yeah. yeah. You go into the TARDIS and you come back exactly in the same position in space. Yeah. But different time. The Earth won't be here anymore. Yeah, we'll be further in space. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to. And if Dr. Jew was going through. <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to appeal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that in the 1980s, you could download video games over the radio. Okay, what? Wow. Yeah. What? To a certain generation, that's going to be like, there used to be a thing called MySpace. Yeah. Like, have you, have you heard of DVDs? Yeah. I was alive in the 1980s and I never heard that. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I didn't, I didn't think of this either. This was the very early days of computers whereby hard drives were incredibly expensive. So they used to have an audio cassette uh, like you would in a stereo. You could put a cassette mm. in and that's where you would keep all the data of programs that you were loading up. So someone made the connection that actually, if you're able to record onto a cassette, you should be able to transfer multiple different kinds of data over the radio. And why not video games? So what people used to do is they used to tune in to radio shows that basically <laughs> just played data over the yeah, waves. Yeah. You'd put your cassette in, 
and you would press record and then you take it out, put it in your computer and there's your video game. So these were dedicated radio stations. It wasn't like yeah. that was talking heads. <laughs> <laughs> now time for Tetris. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, so what did the cool. audio sound like? Well, was it just for people probably older than you but younger than me it would sound like you know when you had dial up internet uh, yeah and you would or if a fax came through on a on a phone line it's just like yeah that, that it's exactly that and wow. the computer just takes that and if it's a high sound it's a one and if it's a low sound it's a zero and it just turns it into zeros and ones and makes games out yeah and to be fair that could be confused as a very popular type of like yes, exactly. Yeah, so this was this was done for ages and then suddenly obviously modern technology and prices, you know, the equivalent of the mammoth burger coming down mm -hmm. from three hundred thousand, uh, they suddenly were able to afford to have hard drives and computers and so it slowly got wiped out. But um yeah, that was a thing that happened. It's bizarre to think that um that you could you could take a video game, Grand Theft Auto, by just listening yeah, to the yeah, radio and weird. recording it. Um, yes. I'm not used to the idea that data could be transmitted in ways that we can hear and understand. It's if you so know what strange. I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, and obviously, data could be transmitted in ways we can hear and understand because I'm talking to you all and <laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And there was weird things that were done using this kind of novelty, I guess it was. Radio West. Do you ever hear of Radio West, James? No. I think it's BBC and they just call it Radio West. So yeah. it's sort of you get your local BBC in an area. There used to be a host who was called, um, uh, ooh, what was he called? Sorry, hang on a sec. There used to be a host called Joe Tozer, who used to work for... Um... <laughs> How did you forget that name? <laughs> and in another six this week, Joe Tozer and the Masturbators. That's so funny. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, if you're listening. <laughs> But also, how was school? Was that, that was a rough ride. How do you spell it? Is it it could be Tozer. It's Tozer, yeah. Like I'm, sure he, uh, I'm sure he says Tozer. As in Faye Tozer from Steps. Her surname okay, is Tozer. So, uh, we're piecing it together. It's definitely a different name. T-O-Z-E-R. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You, yeah. you went with Tozer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, so um, he once broadcast the, the the data sounds of what ended up being a pixel image of one of Charlie's Angel's angels. So the oh, star, Cheryl Ladd. Gosh. So you recorded it down, put it into your computer, and slowly it pixelated oh, together 40 by 80 pixels of uh, of the star. 40 like by 80. 40 by 80. <laughs> Sexy resolution. <laughs> it is. Is that a boob or a head? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and of course you could do it with anything you could do it with vinyl as well and there was some computer game oh. magazines that would put little vinyls on front of the magazine and it so would just cool. play this noise which your computer then would recognize as zeros and ones and would turn into a game it's all because you didn't have enough memory on your computer it's so exactly it, that yeah. yeah so your memory had to be on your cassette yeah what are the limitations of it now so in theory could we yeah, could we question. do it for, for a more complex game than Tetris or Pong? You could, or... for sure, yeah. I reckon. But the problem is, because I used to have one of these computers with the cassettes on, it would take about 30 minutes to load any game onto your computer. Okay. And they were all really shit games. Yeah. Like, as yeah. in, they were fun, but there was the, the graphics were terrible and whatever. And 
often you would get to the end of the 30 minutes and it, one of its zeros or ones would have been read wrong and the whole thing would be knackered oh. and you'd have to start oh, wow. again. And so if you wanted to put like Grand Theft Auto onto it, you'd probably have to pl- make it play for about 40 years. Yeah, okay. That would be great right. to know because yeah. the games are so massive these days. Mel, you're a gamer, aren't you? I'm you a little play. bit of a gamer, yes. Yeah. yeah. Can we get Baldur's Gate 3 in uh, <laughs> audio form? Right. They did end yeah. up releasing very specific audio blank cassettes that you could get called basic code um so okay. you would so it would guarantee compatibility with your computer as opposed to i imagine there were a few audio cassettes out there that that didn't quite do it and so yeah you would tune into either like datarama or hobby scoop which were specific radio stations oh, that, that just broadcast. Yeah. It's but really you can you can just put on radio 4 and listen to the shipping forecast and make that into your own game i find you know <laughs> yes so you, we used to do this as kids actually and we would have to guess whether it was rising slowly or you know it's i don't know if it's the pressure or something they go dogger 75 rising slowly yeah right we had to guess what it was going to be that's good who was the, good who's game? the host of the shipping forecast i don't think it's got a host no. per se well, the, re- the, sort of... the person who reads i don't know she's I, remember. I think it's been the same person for about 40 years she's very famous it? yeah she's married i think to claire balding um she um i was on a show with her once and i was asked <laughs> do you want to have any questions for her about the shipping forecast <laughs> and i didn't know i didn't know what to ask because i'd never heard it so i said What's your favourite ship? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. It's a good question. Did did she have an answer? No, she was like, you haven't heard my show, have you? And I said, no, I haven't. Rude. And she said, what's your favourite fish? Yeah. (laughs) Did you um, hear of the game Great Britain Limited? I was looking at some early Spectrum games. No. Um, In Great Britain Limited, it was a government simulation uh, where you managed the British economy uh, and I love it. Wow. It's, there's no way to win. Well, <laughs> just, uh, it was did very. They give Liz Truss a go at it. <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> you, so yeah, you would like change little things, and then the inflation would go up, or the unemployment would go down, or vice versa. And then every five years, you would have an election, and depending on how well <laughs> you've done, it would say you've been kicked out, or you've got another five years. Wow, that is so funny. Yeah, that's really good. What was that? The 80s, yeah, early 80s. Wow, and it was government made? No, it was just... Um, oh, okay. All, a lot of these games in the 80s, they were just made by kids in the you bedrooms. Yeah, right. like, which was mad. I, I went over to the home of a, a rider friend of my other friends, and she was like, I want you to meet him, he's really cool. We went over and he just pulled out a whole archive of cassettes of games he invented. And wow. Yeah, and, and that was the first time I ever learned that games could be put on an audio cassette. It was Good just, time for creativity. Uh, but just in a very shitty medium. (laughs) (laughs) Much like the podcast. (laughs) Do you have any really weird games, Mel? Do I have any weird games? At one point, because I have quite an addictive personality when it comes to games, there is a very stupid game on Steam called Cookie Clicker. And it's it's literally a cookie and you just click it and you get another cookie. But then you (laughs) keep clicking and then you can buy like, you know, a a cafe that makes cookies. So you just, it's basically, I feel like it feeds the endorphins in your brain because you just like keep clicking and then you can buy like an automatic clicker with the cookies. (laughs) And then it will automatically click it for you and then you can buy a factory of cookies oh, wow. and you keep and it's but you have to keep clicking but you could you could leave it for like an hour <laughs> because you've run an automated system yeah and then you come back and you're like i've got four billion cookies and wow. you just it just feeds the endorphins in your brain because you're like i'm doing i'm getting better at this game do you say it's it on so steam simple. 
It's on Steam. A lot of it. What Steam, is Steam? Steam is just. Oh, damn, uh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> but just if for the other people who don't know what it is. For those idiots <laughs> listening at home. No, just kidding. Uh, Steam is just a, a game library, okay, essentially. Cool. So it's if you're on a PC, you can download games. And almost all games, unless they're like console exclusive, will be on Steam cool. that you can download. And a um, console? <laughs> <laughs> I take it you guys aren't uh, gamers. I've actually you got know, Steam. You have got do Steam. You? What, you what games do you play? Don't play many games on it. No, really. I play Fortnite. All right, I play Fortnite against yeah. eight-year-olds around the world. I'm gonna lose. <laughs> I, I tried Fortnite and I was just too embarrassed to hard. continue because the yeah. skill cap of that game is so high, and these 14-year-olds that have been playing since they were nine yeah. Yeah. Uh, are just so good that you couldn't possibly just start a game now and be yeah. anywhere near as good as them. Yeah. So it's just it's true. you know. I mean, if I put myself in the mind of a 14-year-old playing this game, yeah. would it be immediately obvious which one Andy was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm the guy hiding in one of the buildings just trying to have a nice afternoon. There's a cookie. Uh, I'm trying to click on that. Yeah. He's soaring out the back of a net. <laughs> trying to escape. Um, here's a fact about uh, the guy who invented video games, arguably. Yeah. Mm. And it's sent in by a listener. This sent in by Grant Wynne-Jones, who sent in the fact that nuclear bombs and video games were created by the same guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's what? actually a deleted scene from Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's not Oppenheimer, but it's a guy called William Higginbotham, great wow. name, who did invent the first screen-based video game. Mm-hmm. It was called Tennis for Two, and oh. it was in 1958. Sounds created. like Pong, right? It's Probably. pretty. It's pretty pongy. Yeah. Uh, it's um, <laughs> it's like 2D tennis. There was nothing to play it on, so you had to play it on an oscilloscope, oh, yeah. which is a device to measure voltage waves. And that because there, oh. there were no, you know, no consoles, no screens, no nothing. Um, and he also worked on the Manhattan Project, and he was in charge of the team which made the electronic triggers for the first nuclear bombs. So wow. that's a fact. It stacks up. That's great. And he played the accordion as well. <laughs> and his daughter wrote a memoir about him called Accordion to Willie, oh. which is. <laughs> 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 um, while we're talking about sort of like the founding figures of video gaming, one person who's known as the father of the video games industry, and I believe this is the person who kind of took it away from PC and said, the television, why are we not getting it on the television, was an engineer and inventor, and his name was Ralph Bear. Oh, now can you spelled think of... the same as Clara. Yes. <gasps> wow. And it turns out out that they are... No, they're not. I, I, couldn't, oh. I couldn't find any relation. I was so excited when I saw the connection wow. name, but no. That's so funny. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, last game that I played to any regularity was Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there's a really nice economic theory that the world should be like Mario Kart. Okay. Oh, is... I, I can kind of see what you mean. Oh, really? Yeah. If you're in the front in a game of Mario Kart, your power-ups are less powerful. Yes. So if you're first, you will get like maybe a banana peel to throw behind you, which, yeah. But then if you're last, you will get a power-up that's like turns you into a torpedo. A giant bullet guy. Yeah, yeah. a giant bullet guy that, that can go to the top. Or the, the blue shell, which automatically wipes out the person in first. So I guess killer, yeah. in the sense that it kind of evens things out in society a little more. Exactly. It's like reverse Ayn Rand, basically. Yeah. And it's known as rubber banding. And the idea is that anyone at the back of society gets a huge boost and it helps everyone in society, especially as those people at the bottom tend to be like farmers or, you know, people right. who are helping at the at the base of everything. Right. And apparently that would be a great way of doing it, apart from good luck finding anyone to vote for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's really interesting. It's a lovely idea. Like yeah. Theory. yeah. Uh, in 2004, someone made a device that is a Game Boy, and the Game Boy is also attached to kind of a thing that goes over your mouth, which gives you nitrous oxide and uh, basically makes you pass out. Um, and this was what for was children. The to... Of... <laughs> to, to stop them playing? No, no, not to stop them playing. But as in you have enough nitrous oxide, you do well enough of the game, you pass out, you stop playing the Game Boy? No, it's not that. Any oh. other thoughts mm. why you might do this? It's for children. It's for, for children. children. Make children pass out. So if you're if they're going into surgery and they need to, oh, absolutely my got it in one damn yeah. So the idea is it's hard to give kids anesthesia and keep them calm while you're doing it. Yeah. But if you give them a Game Boy to play, then they're distracted and they get the anesthesia. That's uh, great. And it was uh, designed but never never used. Never, never used. No. Well, oh. it's unfair on children who are not good at video. Like, I'm not very good at video games, so I would still be on lying there hours stressed. later. Surgeon's ready to go home. Night is falling. It's just the tutorial. Come on! Okay, that's it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can all be found on various social media accounts. I'm on Instagram, on at Schreiberland, Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At James Harkin. And Mel. At Melanie Bracewell. Nice. Uh, or you can get to our group account on Twitter by going to at no such thing. Or you can email us at podcast at qi.com. And if you want to just hear all of the episodes and find out about our secret membership club, which is called Club Fish, you can go to no such thing as a fish.com and you can find all of our previous episodes there as well as the doors to the secret members club. Uh, Mel, you're on tour right now in the UK. Yes, touring around the UK and then I'll be touring Australia and then I'm coming back for Edinburgh in August Amazing. so I'm hopping around how do we find dates uh, melaniebracewell.com slash gigs I think yes uh, okay that's it we'll be back again next week and we'll see you then goodbye goodbye